This morning I want to read to you a passage of scripture from uh, Luke chapter 2, and we've been in this sermon series called Beeless Christmas, where we've been looking at uh, characters that are kind of in the shadows of the Christmas story, ones that don't have their own nativity uh, figure, but uh, people that still have a lot to uh, teach us during this season of Advent. So our characters uh, today are Simeon and Anna. And they actually come into the story uh, after Jesus' birth when uh, Mary and Joseph go to take the baby Jesus to the temple for uh, some of the things that needed to be done uh, to Jesus uh, by Jewish culture. So we're going to read from Luke 2, starting at verse 25, if you want to follow along with me. A man named Simeon was in Jerusalem, and he was righteous and devout. He eagerly anticipated the restoration of Israel, and the Holy Spirit rested on him. The Holy Spirit revealed to him that he wouldn't die before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Led by the Spirit, Simeon went into the temple area. Meanwhile, Jesus' parents brought the child to the temple so that they could do what was customary under the law. Simeon took Jesus in his arms and praised God and said, Now, Master, let your servant go in peace according to your word, because my eyes have seen your salvation. You prepared this salvation in the presence of all people. It's a light for revelation to the Gentiles and a glory for your people Israel. His father and mother, Mary and Joseph, were amazed by what was said about him. Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, This boy is a sign to be the cause of the falling and rising of many in Israel, and to be a sign that generates opposition, so that the inner thoughts of many will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your innermost being as well. Now there was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, who belonged to the tribe of Asher. She was very old, and after she married, she lived with her husband for seven years. She was now an 84-year-old widow. She never left the temple area, but worshipped God with fasting and prayer night and day. She approached at that very moment and began to praise God and to speak about Jesus to everyone who was looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. So uh, as the scripture reading says, there was uh, once a man named Simeon who was in the city of Jerusalem, and he was righteous and a devout man. And one day he was led by the Spirit to the temple. Now as I read this, I, I, I can't help but think of any one of us here today. Uh, Simeon was like you and me, I believe. He was just a regular guy, a churchgoer, who was led by the Spirit to go to uh, the temple or a church service on uh, that particular day. Um, We're told that Simeon was righteous and devout, uh, but I like to think, in other words, that he was someone who just followed God, someone who wanted to love and serve in God's name, just like any one of us here. Uh, We're told a few verses later about another person by the name of Anna, and Anna was 84 years old. She was a widow, and she was someone who was at the temple all day and all night long, praying and fasting, um, worshiping, 
And again, I, I, my mind can't help but think uh, of go to people from this congregation or other churches that I've been a part of who seem to be at the, at the church all the time. They're always there. They're always doing something. I, I feel like that was Anna. She was always at the temple, and she was a righteous and devout woman as well. And we're told that these two people, Simeon and Anna, had something in common. Um, the scripture uh, puts it uh, that Simeon was eagerly anticipating the restoration of Israel. Um, Another way of, of uh, putting that, the, the message, a paraphrased version of the Bible, puts it this way. It says, Simeon lived in prayerful expectancy of help for Israel. Prayerful expectancy of help for Israel. So in other words, Simeon, and I, and I believe Anna as well, they, they wanted to see the world change. They wanted to see their world change. And and they saw these terrible things that were happening all around them in the world. They saw uh, Roman occupation. They saw war. They saw corrupt leaders, political and religious corrupt leaders. They saw poverty. They saw disease. And, and having seen all of these things, they wanted something to change. They wanted things to be different. And I can't help but think that that's what we want too. Because today we see all these same sorts of things and we want to see the world changed as well. We, we see all this terrible stuff in the world and, and we want and long for and hope for things to be different. Simeon and Anna, it says, were longing for the coming Messiah, the one who, who they believed as Jews was going to set all these things right in the world. All these things that they saw that were wrong, they believed the Messiah was going to come and set all of them right. And isn't that what we do during the season of Advent? Is hope for and pray for and long for that same thing. Advent is this time where we look forward to and we celebrate the birth of Christ. And, and even more than that, though, the season of Advent is the time where we look forward to when Christ will come again. Because Christ came once, he was born 2,000 years ago, but Advent isn't just about looking forward to Jesus' birth, but it's looking forward to when Christ will come again. And all these things that we see that are wrong with the world will be set right. Now, Scripture says that Simeon was told by the Holy Spirit that he would see the Messiah before he died. So the Messiah, the one who was going to set all these things right in the world, was going to come before Simeon died. Now, I, I can't help but wonder how long Simeon had been waiting for this Messiah to come. So here we have this regular guy, just like you and me, this regular girl, just like you and me, and they were people who were deeply longing for the world to be changed and to be set right. And they kept on coming to worship services week in and week out, hoping and praying. But as of yet, they had seen nothing. Now, that sounds like us. It sounds like us because we've been coming to worship services, church services, Advent after Advent after Advent, hoping and praying for things to be different, 
hoping and praying for things to change, for, for our lives to be transformed, for the world to be made better. And as of yet, we've seen nothing. We, we, we come each Advent season hoping and praying that, that Christ will bring fully the peace and joy and love that Christ will come and will be made will be made whole and will be forgiven and it doesn't come we've been waiting and waiting and waiting just like Simeon and Anna coming to church week after week after week just like Simeon and Anna crying out to God for help just like Simeon and Anna. And we're sure, right, we're sure that this promise that we heard is true. We, we, we've heard that the Messiah is coming soon, just, just like they did. But then we wonder to ourselves, well, where is he? Where is he? Where is this Savior that was promised to be coming? Where is Christ come again? Where is this new life that we've been hoping for? Where is, where is, uh, where is the, the peace that we've been praying for? Where is the, the love that's supposed to come fully? We've, we've, we've seen it in bits and in little pieces here and there, but, but where is it in its entirety? And, and if you ask me, um, it's not hard to identify with Simeon and Anna in this story. Because they're just like us. They've been hoping and longing and waiting for all these years and haven't seen what was promised to them. Now, I don't know about you, but after a while of hoping and hoping and hoping and praying and praying and praying, I start to wonder if maybe there's anything to hope for anymore. I start to wonder if maybe there's any, any reason to keep on waiting. Because it hasn't come yet. How can I be sure it's going to come at all? If either of them felt like that at all, the gospel writer Luke doesn't let on to it. Luke reports that they kept on living with prayerful expectancy right up until the end. And that's really the first thing that stands out to me about um, this passage and uh, one of the things that I think we can learn from these B-listers this Christmas this Christmas I want to live like Simeon and Anna and live with prayerful expectancy um, you see I see a big difference between praying and hoping that something is going to happen and maybe I'll pray for something big, but in the back of my mind, I'm kind of doubting whether it's actually going to happen or not. But Simeon and Anna invite us to, to pray expectantly. To pray as if it's actually going to happen. Sometimes I pray hoping that it's going to happen, but I don't actually expect it to happen. What would it take for you and me to live in prayerful expectancy? That's what I'm wondering. And, and how would it change our outlook on our, on our lives? How would it make a difference in the way we go about our day-to-day? -day? I, I feel like if we prayed expectance, 
expectantly rather than just prayed with some bland hope that we would go through life with more courage. We'd go through life uh, with uh, something more to fill us up, more purpose. If we went through life and didn't hope that God was going to show up one day, but that we actually had faith to know that God is going to show up. I imagine if if I were to live more like Simeon and Anna, if I were to live in prayerful expectancy, that it would change me because I'd trust more and I'd have more confidence going through life. I wouldn't be afraid so much. Um, I'd have this inner strength and, and purpose and courage. And that's what I hope for all of you uh, this Advent season, that you pray with expectancy and not just have some blind or bland hope. The story uh, continues on. Um, One day, both Simeon and Anna are in the temple, just like all the other days they're in the temple. But on this day, something different happened. Both of them, on separate occasions, see this set of parents holding a child. The mother is young, hardly old enough to have a a child, let alone be married. The father looks to be strong. And there with them is this child that they hold in their arms, less than six weeks old. Small and vulnerable. And the the amazing thing about this story is that both Simeon and Anna, when they see this child, they realize that it isn't just any child. That this child is what they've been prayerfully expecting all of these years. How they knew it, I don't know. An article I read this week by John Stendhal suggests that we should picture this old man and this old woman with the baby in their arms. And with all that we know about Simeon and Anna and their long wait, we should imagine this moment and what it must have been like for them. Perhaps they're, they're standing there holding the child and they're just chuckling with giddy joy. This is the thing that they've been praying and expecting and hoping for all these years. I, I, I sort of imagine them uh, staring into the eyes of this baby with, with eyes transfixed and wonder. But it makes me wonder, what have they really seen in this child? What have they really seen in this, in this child? Stendhal goes on to, to question, it's just a child, right? It's just a powerless, speechless newcomer to our world. Whatever salvation this baby might work is still only a promise and a hope. Whatever teaching he might offer will remain hidden for years. Nothing has happened yet. Herod still sits on his throne. Caesar governs from afar. The world looks as it did before. Both Simeon and Anna stand there in grateful wonder, but it's the future that they hold in their arms. It's not the present. But yet, they have this sense of faith and expectation that it's not just the future that they hold in their arms. They've actually seen and touched the promise that has come. It's really interesting to think that by the time a mature Jesus would 
come onto the stage and actually live into his destiny, that both Simeon and Anna were long gone by that time. But yet in that moment, they saw clearly the future that awaits them. Now, we talked about this last week with Elizabeth, but I, I wish that I had the eyes of faith to see like Simeon and Anna do in this story. The eyes of faith to see God's work in the world around me and to recognize God in the unlikeliest places, even in, in the form of a child. We have a lot more of the story to go by, right? We've seen what Jesus does but yet I still find it hard at times to see with the clarity that Simeon and Anna did in that moment. And so this is the second thing that stands out to me from this passage. Um, not only do these B-listers, not only were they people who, who lived with prayerful expectancy, but they were people who saw with the eyes of faith. They were prayerfully expectant that God was going to show up, but then they were able to see it when God actually did. We need to see with eyes of faith because just like Simeon and Anna holding that child, oftentimes God works in the unlikeliest of places and in the unlikeliest of people and in the unlikeliest of situations. And if we don't develop eyes of faith to see, then we'll never see how God works in those moments. And when you think about it, that's really the story of the entire gospel. We have its beginning in the fact that God comes in the unlikely form of a child, but it continues on with Jesus dying on a cross. And then the unlikeliest thing of all happens, Jesus is raised from death to life. And not only that, but Jesus says he's going to use people like you and me that, this is the unlikeliest thing of all. He says he's going to use people like you and me, and we will receive life and power and grace and love and, and light to spread to the world. It's, it's, it's unlikely, but it's what we see happening in the gospel. One more thing. The third thing I see in this story this story isn't just about living with prayerful expectancy or having eyes of faith, but it's also a story of God's fulfillment of a promise to provide a way of salvation to you and to me. As Simeon held the child in his arms, he said, with my own eyes, I've seen your salvation. It's now out in the open for everyone to see, a God-revealing light to the Jews and Gentiles alike. And then he continues with these words and says, this child marks both the falling and rising of many. Those words caught my attention this week, the falling and rising of many. And, and what particularly caught my attention about them is the order of them. Because a lot of times I, I feel like I think about the rise and then fall. It, it, it often goes in that order in our world. We rise and then we fall from a scandal or a disgrace or, or something. But Jesus, it's fall first and then rise. And Jesus would grow up and model this for us. Philippians 2 sums it up. Uh, Philippians 2 is on uh, your bulletins this morning. Philippians 2 says, 
Though he was in the form of God, who did not consider being equal with God something to exploit, but he emptied himself by taking the form of a slave and becoming like human beings. He humbled himself by coming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God highly honored him and gave him a, a name above all names. With, with Jesus, it's fall then rise. He was born in the form of a human. He was obedient to the point of death. But through that falling, he was highly honored and given a name above all names. And this is, I think, this is the third thing that I learned from um, these characters this Sunday. And it's a third thing that I realize I need to cultivate in myself this Christmas. I need to fall before I can rise. Sometimes I feel like we think that Christmas is all about us and what we want. But in this scripture, we, we learn from Jesus that it's fall, then rise. And so what I'm realizing is that I need to um, get out of the way sometimes and quit wanting things to go the way I want them to go. I need to, to, to fall on my knees and worship um, I need to humble myself and admit where I've gone wrong. And it's in this falling that I believe we'll participate in the rising that is Christ. So this is the message of Simeon and Anna for us. Three things for us to cultivate in our lives. To live in prayerful expectancy, confident that God is actually going to show up. God is actually going to show up to see with eyes of faith, recognizing when God actually shows up, even if it's in the unlikeliest of places, and then to fall on our knees in humility because it's only through falling that we'll be raised up. Let's pray. Gracious God, Help us take this message to heart. This Christmas, we, we, we don't want to just hope that you're going to show up. We expect you to show up. We expect you to show up in our lives this year in a way that you haven't before. Give us the, the prayerful expectancy to know that that is true. God, also, we ask that you would give us the eyes of faith to see you when you actually do show up. Because sometimes we're, we're so busy going through our lives, focused on all sorts of other things, that we don't actually see you when you do show up. We believe that you're all around us, you're, you're everywhere, but we miss it. And God, um, we believe that one sure way of being prayerfully expectant and having eyes of faith is to humble ourselves. And so on this fourth Sunday of Advent, we come to you humbled, grateful for what you have done for us, and hopeful that you will do the same for us. 
we, uh, we pray this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Friends, we gather at this